Hey everyone, welcome to the Murderboard Podcast. I'm your host, Walter, and tonight I am here with Roderick. Hello, hello. Yes, and tonight uh, we are discussing, I know what you did last summer, the Amazon TV series, not the movie, clear distinction. So if you haven't seen the series, this is your spoiler warning. If you have, I hope you enjoy our little show here. Me and Roderick just wanted to get in a little bonus episode. So this is our, not our first bonus episode, but I, I'm going to officially deem it as our first Murder board bonus is what this episode is going to be titled. Um, but uh, we were, you know, we're the only ones who watched this series out of the group. So we decided to just talk about it. it. It is worth talking about. We'll get into everything. But yeah, we are going to talk about I Know What You Did Last Summer. Or as the way to really look up this episode or this uh, this series anywhere is just to put it as like a text message. So I uh, K W Y D L S is what you should type instead of typing the whole thing out. Because then you'll get the other stuff. But uh, let's reflect together for a sec before we dive in. On 2021, especially for horror, I think 2021 was a good year. Good, decent year for horror. Very low-key. We got a lot of leftovers from 2020. Um, but, Roderick, what, when you look back at the, the content we got in 2021, what, what do you remember? What stands out? Ooh. I feel like a lot of kind of reboots of old classics really stand out for me. And it's so funny you asked me that. The day before, I was out walking in the snow just to the store, and I was talking with my sister. And we were talking about how, you know, if we had ever just, between both of us, really enjoyed scary movies. I do, but I don't know if she does. But I found out that she did, and we ended up talking about The Conjuring. And that was something that kind of brought me back to last year. The Conjuring universe, the fact that I was introduced to it just personally, like getting into it. And then the third one came out last year, right? I think. Yeah, um, I ended up doing that episode by myself. But yeah, you can go listen to my little review on it. I actually remember liking it. But looking back, I'm like, I don't know if I like it still. But I watched it like so many times. because It was on HBO Max. Yeah, it was something that I got introduced to. So that's probably like my horror highlight of last year. Otherwise, I've just been doing, you know, reruns of, like, Scream and Nightmare. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the stuff for the show. You get sucked into this podcast, you just end up recycling old movies you haven't seen in a minute. It's fun. Hey. And you yeah. discover new things. Exactly, yeah. Um, definitely. For me, I mean, I totally did forget about The Conjuring. But, like, I look back, <laughs> and I think 2021 was definitely a good year for, like, horror vision. Like visionary horror, not even visionary horror, but just like I guess, like you said, like a reestablishment, really. Um, and good yeah. reestablishments too. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, I'm trying to like before I get into like my main point, but like we got a a lot of good reintroduction. I think the slasher genre definitely got a a nice upkick. I'm a slasher fan purely when it comes to horror, so like it was a, definitely a good year for me. Uh, a lot of the slashes that came out, I, I really liked. Um, starting off the year was a, a movie that I definitely want to do as one day. We may do it this year. I keep teeter, I keep putting it back on the schedule and then taking it off. But it's a little small movie called Initiation, and that was a really good like uh, college slasher movie that I watched at the beginning of last year. Um, but then going the big standouts of 2021 is definitely like Chucky. That series definitely rocked. I think it's this like is the second best TV series series to come out of 2021. And then Halloween Kills was a very big deal, very cantankerous, controversial type movie. I loved it. 
Um, we haven't covered Halloween, the newer Halloweens on the podcast just yet, mainly because I want to cover all three. So that's this year we may do that. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just depending on how the schedule goes. But um, I definitely want to cover the Halloween movies. But I loved Halloween Kills. I liked it better than the, the first one. But a lot of people didn't like it. And I, you know, it, it's just how it is sometimes. The word that you had just used was cantankerous. And honestly, that's kind of the word that I can use to describe it. It wasn't just terrible for me, but it was okay. Uh, in my own opinion. Okay, so yeah, we definitely have to cover those movies at some point. Um... But yeah, I loved it. I um trying to think. Another big one was Candyman. Candyman got it. Oh big yeah. Reboot. It it for me, Candyman like came and it burned really bright, and then it just kind of left, and then we all just kind of forgot about it. And then it recently came out on DVD, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, that came out this year." I feel like we could blame kind of the pandemic for that because it kept pushing the release date. Oh, yeah. I almost thought it wasn't gonna come out because of it. Oh, yeah, I remember when the poster dropped. I remember when the first trailer dropped. That was all in 2019. And then it was supposed to come out early. Or it was supposed to come out, like, Halloween. No, it was supposed to come out early 2020, like, in the summer. And then it got pushed to Halloween. And then it got pushed to 2021. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think it overall, Candyman's a good... Um, but it's def- that third act is, like, very deadly. And, like, in, in not in a good way. I know it's very... Yeah, it's if you've seen Candyman, you know what you're. I mean, I, I like it. I think it's a really, it's probably one of the best directed movies that came out of that year. But it gets points, mega points, doxed from the terrible writing at the end. There, it feels it's just too much of a mixed bag, um, story wise. But like other than that, Candyman was good. But I do think the king of horror 2021 is definitely Chucky, and probably sharing that title would be. The return of American Horse. Did you watch the American Horror Story double feature? This season, I didn't see a single thing about it. All I know is that there were like aliens and somebody was getting married, I think. That's um, all that I know. That's it. Man, oh man. That another thing, and I think this is this okay, because there was another we're gonna get into the actual thing we're talking about. But uh I just want to say as far as American Horror Story goes, we're I've definitely been planning on covering more. Because I did want to cover the, the the other series that they did, American Horror Stories. But I just thought it was that bad. And I was like, ah, no one's going to watch this. And then I was planning on doing the actual show. But then that even that got pushed later to when it was supposed to come out. And so Double Feature, my overall thoughts is that it was okay. But it's, it's a sign that American Horror Story is getting better than recent years. But it's still having trouble sticking the landing completely. Um, I really loved the first four episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the first four. Because the season split in half. You have basically one story, and then halfway through, you shift to another story. And yeah, it is... The first story is about, like, the... <laughs> like, land sharks, essentially. Um, it's, much, it's much more creepier. It's basically The Shining meets Jaws in winter. And I, it was a really good story that they had going. And then, like, they couldn't end it. And I was like, oh, okay. But it, it worked enough to where it's like some of the best things about AHS is in those four episodes. Was it, like, stylistically the first part of it? They couldn't end it or they did not end it? They, like, they tried to end it, but it felt like it needed 
a more okay so the best way to describe it is that the, the i believe it's eight episodes or so the first four or maybe five but basically the first five episodes i think it's five is called red tide and it was really good up until the last episode where they tried to end it but it didn't feel like an actual ending essentially mm-hmm. okay and so it feels like the first half of the season needed more time and then you get to the second half where it's this Basically, it's called uh, Death Valley. It's basically Area 51. That's the big thing. It's Area 51. They do some time stuff. It's really good. And it's, I mean, the first couple of like episodes of that one is really good. It's really creepy, very campy, very 1950s. Um, Sarah Paulson does really good. Cody Fern does really good in that one. But like, again, the ending, that one felt like it didn't have an ending. Like They just kind of ended it, and it was like, oh, that's it? Because it was only like four episodes. And that to me was really what kind of like messed it up. So the season as a whole is not the best. But I would say if you watch it, watch Red Tide. Because that one was really interesting. It really had a lot. They had like a lot to say in that one. And that was really cool. It was really creepy and funny. A lot of underused characters though. But then you get to Death Valley and it's like there's some really good like kills. But then it just doesn't have an ending. It is just it just kind of leaves off. It's just like, and that's all we got. Uh, so the gore is really the only highlight. They're kind of missing the American Horror Story of the second one. Yeah, like neither neither one had an like. Okay, the first half had an actual story, and then the second one, yeah, it just didn't necessarily have the story part of it. And so, if you ask me, they should just they should have just kept up with the full red tide story and just gave it two three more episodes for it to end but you know what a weird thing about it and like just the final thing so we can move on but i feel like maybe that's part of the formula with ryan murphy and brad uh, folchek's just story with this they leave it or they start off the story really great and then they leave it kind of like what the heck and maybe expect later seasons to really tie up the loose ends, but it ends up becoming more convoluted because it just opens up more holes in the story that already needs to be patched up. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I feel like they take they take criticism to heart. And so, you know, after Coven and you know, after Coven and Freak show, I feel like AHS really just kind of like as on their side of it, they were like, okay, this is what the fans like, this is what the fans don't like. And so this is why I'm like very like contentious and very controversial in my opinions on Coven. Like it's to me, it's the most overrated season because that's the peak of American Horror Story because all so many people love that season. And so and they try to person, recreate it. Yeah. And but, as a person yeah. who loves that season, I could totally agree. It's true. Yeah. Like they they're trying. They tried so hard for Freak Show and even a little bit of Roanoke to recreate that coven like feeling and then when you get to apocalypse it's like oh yeah they just don't know what they're doing anymore (laughs) and so that's why i felt like 1984 was such a refresh like cult in 1984 was like this is where the show needs to go for me personally and i know a lot of people don't necessarily like roanoke i know cult is very split in half because it was very topical it hasn't necessarily aged well but I feel like everyone really liked 1984 for them just it was doing good. dumb slasher. Like, it was good. It's another season that doesn't... I mean, it's another season where, like, some of it doesn't make complete sense. Like, they just kind of skipped to the ending about halfway through it. But it was really good. 
And then you get to double feature, and it's like, okay, the vibes are all right, but there's no actual story here. <laughs> Maybe fan service is what's kind of killing the series. It's oh, becoming less of the creator's vision and more of what do we think everybody's going to like? But then, like, I don't, again, we'll get to the main point of the episode, people. But like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to say, like, because even building up to American Horror Stories and to them officially, like, finishing filming a double feature... They were building all this hype to like, what do you want to see? They were asking the audience basically on Twitter like every day, what do you want to see in the, in a new American Horror Story season? Because they're they've been renewed for like a bunch of seasons. I but think they're don't up. give us options. Don't <laughs> ask us. We're gonna have the same conversation a little later. I feel when it comes to, in future episodes of the podcast. But like, yeah, like when it comes to when I, they're they're asking so much from the fans and the fans are throwing so many things out there that I feel like they're not necessarily getting the point Mm -hmm. (laughs) because uh, they were just, you know, I remember throughout the summer of 2021, they were just like, what do you want to see in the next season of American Horror Story? Here's some options. Bloody Mary, Sirens, Ghost Ship, blah, 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 blah. All these different themes were like, some are like, yeah, cool. Some are like, "Eh, nah. For me personally, so you know, I for one definitely would like to see. I believe that it came down the Bloody Mary and Sirens, and that's the one the fans are really dealing over. Um, but I was like, I would rather see Bloody Mary, but I know people are tired of American Horror Story doing Ghost, and yeah. so they want. And so I feel like fans want American Horror Story now, where they're where they are now, especially after Apocalypse, for them to do more creature type stuff. And I feel like Red Tide and or double feature at the whole was them testing that out. And so whatever season we get next, I guarantee you they're going to center it around some kind of creature. And so it's oh. going to be, that's what I feel like they're going because fans are definitely, especially I've one, they're definitely trying to do the full fan service thing from uh, asylum with the whole alien thing. And it kind of fixed asylum. It doesn't connect to asylum purely. But it fixes like the mythology of aliens in the back half of that double feature series uh, season. Yeah, but like in Asylum, I, it was it was kind of open ended. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like whatever next, I could be totally wrong, but me personally, judging from what I've seen and what Brian Murphy just has, to just just does all this stuff. But I feel like we're gonna get more of a campy, more type stuff when it comes to American Horror Story, and that for me is kind of eh. I would want them to be more true crime but I know they get a lot of flack for that sometimes, especially when they're dealing with actual people in real life, mm-hmm. even though the show's called American Horror Story. Um, they got a lot of flack for, like, the whole Richard Ramirez thing in 1984, but, like, I definitely think we're getting more creatures as we move forward, and so them using creatures to tie into actual American history is gonna be tough, but, you know, I feel like the most interesting creatures are in other states, or in other countries. But that's the benefit of American Horror Story. America as a whole is a melting pot, so we kind of don't really have a culture. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what? I could see them. If they're smart, they would do the same thing American Gods, rest that show's soul. I would. I love that show, but they got canceled this, this year, this past year. But if they do the same thing that American Gods did, where uh, legends, myths, and even monsters and evil and stuff... And like brought- Americanize it? Yeah, like they get so in that show, all the gods are in America because people who originated from their origin point, like they they come over to America, and so they then their beliefs get adapted, and that energy forms whatever god pops up, essentially. So I could see if they're smart, they would do that, 
So say like, you know, if we're dealing with the, they kind of already did the Chupacabra in American Horror Stories, but if they want to, <laughs> they could easily have that backstory where, yeah, a bunch of Hispanics, were, or I don't even know where the Chupacabra is, but like Hispanics, they brought it over, they brought the, the image and the energy over to create that monster, and now we're dealing with it here. And, uh, you know, side note, American Horror Stories was one of the worst shows I've this past year, but I really did love the last episode. <laughs> it was very meta and very goofy, but like, other than that, the show was overall pretty bad, but there were some good standout episodes in there. But um, anything else you want to say before we shift over is what we're actually talking about? <laughs> no, I just, hopefully uh, for the future episodes, I would like to preserve kind of the tail end of this conversation because I got inspired to talk about some other stuff, but we're going to move on. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cover American Horror Story again this hopefully this year you know i mean uh double features an easy watch it's eight episodes so much like this season just this, like this, this show one here. so it's is it, i think it's eight or nine episodes but it's easy it's an easy watch because the episodes have, have gotten shorter yeah. um but yeah so as we shift over into i know what you did last summer i had another thought but i can't remember but we'll talk about it because i have we have a lot of we're gonna be shows this season um uh, of the podcast like i know stranger things is definitely one we're doing and the boys is something Shelton wanted to do. And then Euphoria is one of be the first one we do because oh my God. We, it's not necessarily like I don't even know how I'm explaining Euphoria, but like <laughs> we're doing a we're doing Euphoria. So stay tuned. But like okay, Drugs. so yeah. <laughs> I know what you did last summer. Um before we we're gonna I want you to give your overall thoughts on the franchise, but not go too much into the movie. Just give mm-hmm. me like your overall statement. Because we're doing the movie later this year. So I want to reserve any energy you have for the movie for that podcast. Gotcha. But for the franchise as a whole, as what what I know you did last summer means or whatever. You know, just your relation to it. Just give us your overall thoughts. You know, what is I know what you did last summer to you? For me, like, as a franchise, the whole thing, I feel like it was very original just in its slasher concept. Just the idea of that something kind of happened in the past and then we're trying to cover it up. But now the past has kind of come back to haunt. And now these, you know, team Bob kids or whatever in this small town are trying to figure out how to navigate it and still preserve their lives. I feel like because I'm not super versed in just all the slasher movies of the world because there's a thousand of them. But I felt like that concept was just really original and it really took off with the movie series and it really got great in the TV series. I was very surprised seeing it It, because just to be honest, I was going to see it just because I'm like, okay, I wonder what this is going to be about. But I didn't have high hopes because my relationship to reboots is either hit or miss. But this was really good for me. So overall thoughts were I liked it a lot better than what I thought it would be. Great, great. You know what? Same here. When I think about I know you did last summer to me, I know what you did last summer kind of goes hand in hand with Scream. You know, I. And that's just because, like, it came out so close together. And so even when people are, I think when people are watching, like, 90s horror movies, especially slashers, if you're, once you get to Scream, the natural progression would be the sequels. But then if you want to take a break in between, you could watch I Know What You Did Last Summer. And so that's how I associate the property. I did know it was a book. I actually read the book back in 2020 um, because I was just interested in what the book was actually about. And you know, bringing this up, but uh, I watched Riverdale. People know this. I love Riverdale. In the fourth season of Riverdale, 
towards the end, they adapted another book by the same author of I Know What You Did Last Summer. It basically it's the same kind of concept, but except um, it's the same kind of concept. Teens accidentally kill a person and try to cover it up, but then someone comes back to like haunt them, basically. Um, and you don't know if it's real or not. You don't know if anyone said anything. It's the same kind of concept. And so I read that one because Riverdale did a uh, pretty much a, a recreation of that book. And then I was like, oh, same author did I know you did last summer. Let me read it. I read it. I actually really enjoyed it. I don't think it was as good as the other book, though, because uh, it was really good. Like I, the book itself is really good. It's, it is very it's very like intense. And but kind of like still keeping that like cheese to it that you kind of like, like it's very if, if for me, I got the same vibe as I got from uh, Twin Peaks. If you know that show from David Lynch. I did uh, not watch it. Twin Peaks. I heard it was really good, though. Yeah, you can you can watch the first episode because the first episode is a movie. But um, uh, yeah, so the book I was called uh, Killing Mr. Griffin and then Riverdale did a uh, an episode dedicated to that book. And that's what got me on the track of like, well, let me read. I know you did last summer because it's the same artist, or same author. And so that's how I read the book. Um, overall, I'll get into the book later on when we talk about compared to the show, because I think the show takes important elements from the book that the movies don't. But um, before we continue, go ahead, Roderick. Oh, yeah. It was just kind of like a small thing that I just remembered. I didn't know that also like that the show was based off of a book. And I guess the movie was based off of a book, too. But when I was like rereading the synopsis before getting ready for this episode, I was remembering a book that I had read by R.L. Stein. This part is kind of unrelated, but related in a way. Reboots. <laughs> I was yeah. reading this book in like middle school called The Fire Game, which is based off of R.L. Stein's Fear Street series, which was like the grown up version of uh, Goosebumps. For the listeners out there, if y'all don't know, they were really good. I've always been a reader. But I read that book. And I was remembering it because the plot was very similar in a sense that there were these fires that were started with these high school kids. And they were trying to figure out, like, you know, who is starting them. And it all dates back to this one event that happened in the young kids in the books, like their lives back then. And they're trying to figure out who had did it. But it's, it's so weird. It just reminds me so much of this show. It's just something that I thought about. The fire game. That yeah. book. Yeah, man, like, so when I think about, I, we just keep going on tangents here, but it's fine. But, like, uh, just to kind of bring it all full circle, like, my favorite kind of book is definitely, like, a mystery, but definitely, like, any kind of, like, group mystery in a way. And we'll, I'll get into more of this when we officially start season four. Um, we're starting with Scream, but the official start of season four will be when we do uh, Murder on the Orient Express, because I'm going to go into more, like, how much I love, like, traditional murder mysteries. But I love the modernization of like murder mysteries for young adults in high school or in yeah. college. And I know you did last summer is very much a college story, which is something that I was surprised that they kept within the show. But, um, man, oh, man, I just because I just love that genre and I could read it any day because there's another show that I recently watched that I really did like. Um, it come, it went it's on uh, Peacock because I got Peacock because of uh halloween kills and i ended up just exploring what they have there a lot of good stuff actually uh how um say by the bell reboot is really good but they have another show on there based on a book called um one of us is lying and i remember seeing the book in target but it, it was surprisingly really good but it's the same kind of thing where 
Uh, you have a group. It's basically a breakfast club meets. I know what you did last summer where there's a group of teens that are inside of detention. But then one of them is mysteriously killed while everyone is there. And so everyone who is in the room, all the other kids, like the other five are like immediately suspects. And so you have to they have to go like through each other. But then it, as they do that, there's like this other kind of like gossip gossip girl figure like exposing their secrets and their connections and their motives and so they're kind of like defending themselves while also very paranoid because someone is actually coming after them and it it was really good so i recommend that little series it's a little long than it should be but it was really good i'm actually going to read the book when i find it again i I use audible so it's somewhere you know um, what that just reminded me of this other thing and then we gotta move on we gotta move on but yeah, yeah yeah i'm super just inspired by the mystery media conversation the fact that you were just talking about i don't know if this is going to be in the episode but just catching up on a lot of things one of them being you know animes that reminded me of this old anime from the 90s i think it's got like literally a thousand episodes and it might still be running but it's called case closed have you seen it or heard of it i have not but now i'm interested you would like that show it's the synopsis is there's this guy named jimmy who accidentally kind of holly buries his way into learning something that he was not supposed to, a la Catwoman, and he ends up being, quote-unquote, disfigured into a child detective, and he goes around each episode solving murders, and each one is really good. Like, it's an anime, so it's kind of like, it's spunky like a kid's show, but it gets very dark at times because people are actually murdered. Like, it's, you know, this person was strangled, and here's the formaldehyde, and you know all oh, that, wow. but it's really good, and there's tons of episodes. It holds up for the '90s. Most anime are probably still going, but um, yeah, I'm gonna actually look that up when we're done. Well, I have stuff to do, but when we're done, when I get some free time, I'll look it up because that actually sounds like my kind of show. All right, um, let's officially go on our first break here, and then we'll be back with some more information on. I know what you did last summer from 2021. Joey Mitchell. You're a loser, little Zan. Alright. I think I need to go What was that? Where are you going? To find out we'll be hit. I'm sure it was a goat. The car still works, right? So whatever it was gonna be that bad. No, whatever it was, it looks bad. Guys, I think we should go. What is Hey, I'm sure it was a goat. I don't think it was a goat. What the fuck is it? Alrighty, we're back here. Uh, let me get into some... Let me give you guys some facts on I Know What You Did Last Summer 2021. It was released October 15th, 
recently went on Amazon Prime, developed by Sarah Goodman. Um, she's also one of the producers behind Gossip Girl, the original, and uh, AMC's Preacher. Fans out there, if you know that. Uh, the show is based on the 1973 novel I Know What You Did Last Summer by uh, Lois Duncan and the 1997 film of the same name. Uh, the series stars Madison Iceman, Bill Heck, Brianna Two, or Brianna Chez. I would just say Brianna T. Brianna Tuj, Ezekiel Goodman, Ashley Moore, Sebastian Amoroso, Fiona Ray, Cassie Beck, and Brooke Bloom. And the plot, fairly simple, goes as such. Teenagers are stalked by a mysterious killer a year after a fatal accident on the night of their graduation. Um, and there's a ton of information and stuff, but like I said, this is a little bonus episode. So we're not going to get into deep stuff there. But, um, Roderick, do you have anything uh, you want to say or any bonus information before we continue? Hmm. No, I think we're good. Alrighty. Uh, only thing I'll say is that I do, I do really like the cast they have here. Um, as far as how they're used, we can debate on that. But, like, um, the one I really recognize is Brianna T, as we're going to call her. Um, she's the, the Asian actress here. She plays... Uh, uh, what is she? She plays Margot on this show, but uh, I know her best because she was also in the Scream series. She was in season one, and her name was Riley. And oh she snap! Gets, yeah, and she's she was really good. She's she's not in a lot of episodes, you know. Spoiler alert! But you know, she wasn't in a lot of episodes. So you know where that means for a show called Scream. But uh, she was really she was one of the better parts of season one, and uh, it was fun seeing her pop back up here. She was also in another show called uh, Light as a Feather, where she also didn't last long. <laughs> They just kind of like the killer this girl off. <laughs> but uh, she's really good. I would love to see her do more. I want her to finally get a finally get a role that really uses her really well. And I think this show does. But I really want her to get a role where she's like more culturally impactful. Because she just been, she's just been booking these like side shows that don't last very long. But um, I'm, I'm really interested. But that's the only one I recognize. I mean, I also recognize Ezekiel Goodman. He plays Dylan. But he was in that uh, spinoff of Pretty Little Liars. Where they're, where they're all out of prep school. But that's all I really know from. I didn't watch this show. I just remember seeing his face on the commercials. The cast for me was very new. Because I didn't watch the Scream reboot. So I wasn't familiar with Brianna's uh, work. And everybody else I had never seen before. And I feel like they all respectfully delivered what they needed to do. They were great. They're- I say everyone's really good except one person, but I'll Ooh. save who that is. <laughs> right now, we're going to take one last break, and then me and Roger are going to get into our discussion on I Know What You Did Last Summer 2021. Graduation. I told you I was going. I had to drive a dad. <laughs> this party is about to get too <laughs> song i'm here with the ogs i need a burrito <laughs> this cannot be happening no one will really know what we did did anyone see us that night no why do you ask even if someone knows what happened they can't prove it i'm telling you more people are gonna die can't be a coincidence. I think that she might be the killer. You're just trying to save yourself. (laughs) 
I don't think any of us know what we're really capable of. We're all the worst people I know. Holy faith. Sociopath. Drug addict. All you do is lie. You have sex with the one person I love. Hello? Everything was fine until she came back. She's not who we thought she was. You need to tell the truth. What if I don't know the truth? There is no redemption in this life. God, it's brutal out here. Alrighty, Roderick, let's get into it. Um, give me your first, just give me your overall reaction of the show. What, you know, from watching all eight episodes, what's your experience? What's your overall, like, statement on, I know we did it last summer, 2021. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can, like, sum it up in kind of, like, three acts, <laughs> kind of like a show. Because it wasn't a static reaction. I wasn't like, I didn't feel the same way the whole entire time. Because the show had lots of twists and turns. But I will say, just to start it off again, I had low expectations for it, but I was like, I'm going to give it a try because the thing about me just with shows and just stuff in general, I'll try anything once just to see because trailers, advertisements, and word of mouth isn't always reliable. And I want to be the person to know about it and be the judge because I'm the person watching it. So low expectations just going into it for the first initial feeling of it. As I'm watching the show, you know, the first episode is always the introduction. You kind of see the formula going. I'm kind of confirming some of my suspicions like, "Uh, I don't know. But then the event happens in the show that we'll get to and things kind of pop off. And then everything kind of flipped on its head just in the show. And for me, I ended up really enjoying it. And then by the end of it, you know, I was binge watching every episode trying to figure out, you know, how it's going to end. And by the end of it, I was pleasantly surprised. It was really good. And it had me excited for the next season. If it will be around. Um, well, I guess I should say it now. Sorry, but I was scrolling through Twitter today earlier, earlier this night, and it, it has been canceled. <laughs> okay, and I'll tell you what to that. The way that the show ended, I'm okay with it being canceled. Because it still ended strongly. It wasn't just so open-ended. You know, yeah, I, I think I'll have to agree. I did like the ending. It did throw me for a loop, what they did here. Um, uh, for me, I I remember when they announced that they were creating a... Well, first it was going to be a rebooted movie. And then they, uh, I think Amazon got a hold of it. And they're like, well, let's just make it a show because I'm they're doing streaming now. And I remember when they started filming. I remember when they announced casting. I didn't pay too much attention to the production of it, uh, of it though. But I was interested. I was like, I know, I like, I know you did last summer, uh, especially that first movie. And so um, after reading the book, I was super excited to what they were going to do with it. But then I didn't hear anything about it until the first trailer dropped, like midway through. Uh, it was like at the very midway through the end of summer of 2021 is when they released the first trailer. And then I was like, OK, I, I'm, I'm on board. I'm going to watch it no matter what, because I like I know you did last summer. This is post me reading the book. And I was, from the trailer, I was like, okay, they're they're definitely taking a lot from the book, um, story wise, and just like or really aesthetically from the book. Uh, the book does take place in Hawaii, 
for most of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember the original part they were, but I think it is in Hawaii for most of it. They are dealing with like whole, uh, these like military kids essentially. Um, and I, I can talk about the differences. I'm gonna talk about the differences between the show and the book. But um, they were also taking a lot from the movie, but then they were keeping some certain things out. And uh, my overall thoughts is though, when I watched the show for the first time, they released like the first three episodes, I believe, first three or four episodes, and I was hooked after episode three. Episode yeah. one is a really good episode, but it was really weird and very tough to like get into. But then by the time you get to episode three and you get to like the first like major death, you're like, ah, okay, they got me now. And so I was really sucked in. I watched it week to week. I tried to rewatch it for this podcast, but I get into why I stopped a little later on. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I really championed it. I was sucked into the Twitter crowd. I was, you know, if I'm really into a show, I'll talk with people on Twitter about it. Just give my statements. Um, and then, you know, I, I thought it was really enjoyable. I did see a lot of negative hate for it. A lot of people were, you know, pretty much saying it's just another run-of-the-mill teen movie that isn't necessarily a slasher. And I kind of push back against that. I think this show is trying to do something new, but it may just be a little lost. I think this show does have a identity crisis, especially, like, first three episodes they by the time you get to episode three it's like okay we're in it now and then you get to episode four and five and it's like oh they're kind of teetering back and forth and what they want to do and then you get into more death and it's like okay here we are and so it feels like a show that didn't necessarily know what it wanted to be up until the very end and i feel i feel like a lot of people jumped off about halfway through and we'll think <laughs> people who did get to the end they're like well why wasn't this the entire show but um, I, I don't know. I overall, I enjoyed it. I, you know, I can tell you now, I definitely recommend it. But um, just to get into some more details here, Roderick, um, what we're going to do here is that I'm going to talk about the major differences between the TV show and the book first. Okay. And then after that, we're just going to go down the list of characters. And then we'll, we'll talk about that ending and how the overall story is affected. Um, I promise to be quick. My notes aren't very long. But um, so what I noticed... Like I said, the book and the show take place in Hawaii while the movie, they move it to more stateside. I, I don't remember where they are. I think they're in Virginia, but they move it more stateside. Um, and so both the movie and the book are fairly, cl- or both the movie and the TV show are fairly close to the book, but they took different elements and exaggerated it. In the book, the book is not a slasher movie or it's not a slasher at all. It's There is not necessarily even a killer or there's not a hook man basically but there is someone much like the show that is like psychologically pranking these teens about mm-hmm. what happened the accident is relatively the same ish but both the movie and the show take different routes is it more like they're kind of being hunted or haunted by their guilty conscience versus a figure in the book just for clarity because yeah they're there is a figure like there is someone much in the TV show. There is someone like announcing themselves like I know what you did and I'm here to remind you and talk about it. But in the book, because you're more intimate with each of the characters, each of them have their own thoughts. You do get more of that psychological torment of like we did this thing. and We try our, our best to forget about it, but we can't completely forget about it. And now it's coming back to bite us. And so you get a lot of that, a lot more. It's just a lot more just paranoia. And I feel like the show really took that element and ran with it. While if I remember, I haven't seen the movie since 2020. 
but like the movie I remember was very much more condensed while the show and the book is very much expanded on the mindsets of these characters. Um, okay, that's okay. the major difference. Um, but yeah, the accident's relatively the same in the book and the original book. They just they hit a kid on a bike and that's the major death. And then they cover it up and then we'll get into what the movie is later this year. But in this show, um, we'll go ahead and spoil it. But it's they hit the twin sister of one of the main characters but the twin is a bait and switch and so one the twin is ends up living the life of the other sister because she just uh, assumes her life and essentially it's more of like a bad sea situation what is it's the good twin that dies and the bad twin is the one no it's the, the bad tw- the, the wild one dies the bad twin dies and the good one assumes her life and so that's the big, like, dramatic tension that the audience has with the character. And right off the bat here, is my, my, when I watched it, I was like, why twins? Why did they add twins to already a good, solid set of characters? And in the movie, the it's for... <laughs> yeah, like, it was very confusing first watching. And it was like, oh, there's two of them? But why? And then you get into the actual story, and it's like, okay, well, I see this is what they wanted to do. They really wanted to more personalize what was happening. Um, because in the book, the main character is Julie. Uh, you're you're kind of with her most of it, while you just get vignettes of other people's thoughts. She's really the main character of the book. And in the movie, they make it more of an ensemble. But Oh, I yeah. think you just... No, no, I think you just said it. Why they use the twin. Maybe... You're right, yeah, to make it more personal. The fact yeah. that she cares about it so much because that is somebody who was related to her. Even though, spoiler alert, they were kind of jerks to each other. But yeah, had it like, been somebody else, like a third party, she wouldn't have had a reason to care so much. Like, oh yeah, I killed my neighbor, but oh no. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, it's not even a neighbor. It's just they, they killed a kid, basically. They killed, like, this... Like, they're coming out of high school with their graduation in the book, and then they killed, like, this middle schooler, I think. And he was just riding a bike on his way home. Terrible. And in yeah, in the movie, it's much more complicated. I'll tell you right now, as complicated as the plot was to the show, it doesn't beat the like contriveness of the movie. I remember just like map I had to like physically map out what the hell was happening in that movie. Cause the killer is just so like weird. But here in the book, it's much more simplified. I do think making twins is kind of unnecessary, but it does help personalize these characters more so i think i guess that's a point i guess that's what we're giving it um let me just go through here i think the book is much more like hitchcock-esque like i said it's very cheesy but like also it's it's suspenseful It's it's a suspense it's a suspense novel it's a very quick read um but there's no killer in the book it's just someone pulling elaborate attacks um everyone in the book does survive but in the end after the killer is revealed they are not killer but the the person that knows what they did is revealed right there's a big fight and then the police steps in and they're forced to tell the truth which is like their big lesson basically and then they're murdered by the judicial (laughs) system ha 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 well we never find out what happens they just all just begin to tell the truth and it kind of ends there but like yeah yeah I, i you would assume they'd all at least serve some kind of time um just to like get this out the way as well before we because over into the show now but the the so basically in the book the the quote-unquote like attacker slash killer not again not even a killer just like 
Antagonist. Yeah, the antagonist. I was going to say like a very mean prankster, but the antagonist is the the older brother of the kid that they hit. But he's, he, yeah, which is a simple, but he disguises himself as the new boyfriend for Julie. So like, mm-hmm. if you know the, the movie, Freddie Prince Jr.'s character and, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Juliet Hewitt. I want to say Hewitt, but I don't think that's, damn. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jennifer, that's what it is, yeah. Okay, so Freddie Prince Jr.'s character and Jennifer Love Hewitt, they're a couple. And so in the movie, they kind of brush it off. Like, it's not, they kind of just, like, brush it off. But, um, like, it's not huge. But in the book, it, it is that the, the relationship between the four is actually a pretty huge thing. Because when they break up, Julie comes back, and it is Hawaii, and she meets and starts dating this guy. And he's kind of like the fifth character. But he's just kind of like, he's never seen with together, which is the main clue in the book. And spoilers for the book, but I mean, it's been like, it came out in 1970. If you don't know the, I don't think anyone's reading it. Uh, like, even if with the, if you spoil a book, I believe you've got to read it to really experience it. But basically, the guy, he starts dating Julie, but he's also like the, he also has like this flirtatious kind of competition with Helen. And then he never really sees the boys. And so Helen is the first one who is uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character in the movie is the first one to figure out this is the guy that's that's know what we did because but she doesn't know why. And then she goes to Barry, which is uh, Ryan Phillippe's character. And then he, he does still he doesn't get hit with a car, but he gets shot. But it's not a fatal wound, but he okay. gets like threatened to be paralyzed. So that's like the only major event, like bloody event that happens other than the kid dying. But, uh, but dang, yeah. what a bunch of dumb kids. Like y'all live on Hawaii on this island of probably like, I don't know how many people. And you <laughs> don't make the connection. You've never seen this little boy's family. Y'all don't yeah. know each other. Well, yeah, like in the book, it's only Julie that like investigates. Helen is trying to forget about it. And the boys are kind of just afterthoughts. Like, Barry has this big moment, but then everyone else is just kind of afterthoughts. Okay, that but, makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Young young kids, again, attention span. <laughs> yeah, again, it's very 1970s cheese. Like, picture Carrie. That's kind of the main where it is, like the movie. I know in the book it's in, in the book it's 1950s, but Carrie is the kind of the vibe the novel gets. But like, so basically to wrap it up, it's the the this the older brother of the kid that they hit, and he disguises himself as pretty much two different characters, <laughs> and then Helen figures it out with the help of Barry, but then. Julie, with the help of the other guy, I can never remember. I think Ray, that's the name. Ray, they end up fighting him off. And then after they fight him off, uh, <laughs> Ray, like, hits him in the back of the head. And then the police shows up. And they do the, it's very Scooby-Doo. They go, <laughs> here's everything that happened. He disguised himself as this, this, this. But then it ends with, like, the reverse of, like, you know how Scooby-Doo explains everything first? And then they do the reveal. Here it's in the reverse. It's like they do the reveal of like he's been tormenting us, and then the police goes, "Why?" And then Ooh, the and then book like, oh. ends with them going like, "All right, I guess we have to tell the truth now." So it's like everyone loses still. <laughs> and and honestly, like, I think that's greatly translated into the show because spoiler alert, I was gonna say ending, the same thing. Yes, the ending is very much like, well, who's really the bad guy? Because we're all kind of messed up, and also. You just said it in the book, the brother of the kid who gets, quote unquote, murked, because that's a word they like to use a lot in the series. The little kid who gets murked on the bike, I'll call him Jimmy. That's what I've been thinking in my mind. Yeah, I forgot his name. 
his brother is trying to date the main character in the book using these disguises, maybe hint, hint, that is the inspiration for the twins. And then that Probably. whole thing just kind of took on a whole life of its own in the live action thing. I did you piece it together, but yeah, like, yeah, because he plays basically, it's the same guy. Well, no, they, the book portrays it as two different people, but he's never in the same room with all of them. He's always with just either Julie or Helen. And again, he's, he's doing a romantic relationship with Julie while it's like a flirty kind of like competition type thing because Helen is still in the whole beauty thing and the guy's like also a beauty dude. So that's kind of the relationship they have in the book. So like, yeah, that's probably why they did the whole twin thing. You're right. I didn't, can't believe I connected it. This makes this series better than it is. Yes! <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, when you start critically thinking, you can turn anything into because <gasps> just all the dots. Yeah, so uh, that's the big thing. Uh, let's go ahead and get into these characters here. Eight episodes. The story relatively the same to the book. A group of teenagers on their graduation night, they hit someone here. They make it the twin of one of the main characters. And so that that's what threw me off first. We have, instead of four characters, because I'm used to it just being four, Helen, mm -hmm. Ray, uh, Bobby? Helen, Ray, I don't, I think it's Bobby. Helen, Ray, Bobby, and uh, Julie. But in the show here, they changed them to, we have, um, we have the two twins, which is Lennon and Allison. Twins. <laughs> <laughs> which is like, okay, that explains a lot. Um, I don't, I don't know if those names correlate to the guy in the book because I forgot his name. <laughs> but like, yeah. And then we have Margo, who's like Lennon's best friend. And then we have Johnny, who was Margo's best friend. I was trying to really get the relationship down. We have Dylan, who is, who has a kind of like crush on both Allison and Lennon, but he mm. really likes Allison, but he's attracted to Lennon mm. second time watching episode one. And then you get Riley, who was like the town drug dealer, but she's best friends with Johnny and she's also friends with Lennon. And then <laughs> that kind of rounds out the full group here. So that's five, six main characters. Like, yeah, Lennon, Allison, Margot, Johnny, Dylan. Yeah, six main characters instead of four. For and now. So what, <laughs> but what I that's what I'm thinking because like what I love about the what they did here is that instead of we start off with six but we end this series with four and that kind of brings it back to the book which is what I liked uh we're one of the main things I liked about it but like okay well so let's get into the twins here what did you like and what did you didn't like about them because I'm interested okay what okay so one thing that I did like about the twins was that the character and the actress really carried the fact that there were two people. Because sometimes when, you know, they used one person as a twin, they had a, have a hard time with characterization. It's like, okay, we understand that you're trying to turn yourself into two people. But with this one, it felt authentic, even though we know as the audience looking at the show that this is only one person. So that's what I really liked about it. Just the characterization and each individual character being so strong I feel like, and I have her pulled up right here, uh, Madison, she really did that for just her character choices. That's what I really liked about her character. What I disliked was just, like, her point of view of being, you know, a victim of a tragedy and always kind of falling back so hard into those traumatic, like, coping mechanisms and just the escapism and the guilt and the all the negativeness. It's like, okay, let's kind of get past it. Just personally. Let's move on. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, you know, like I think all those things you mentioned are essential for the story they're trying to tell. Essentially, we have this, this these two characters are 
representative of like love is what I got from it, especially because of the whole monologue at the very end by the killer. But like basically these two are just representative of one feels love and one or both of these characters want love so bad, but they're going about it differently. One is very outgoing and very like she's 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 going after the physical traits of love, basically, while the other one is going after the more internal, more parental kind of love. But then there's also this repel because of their per, per, parental figures that will we might get into them. I don't think they're too important. Like Bruce kind of got on my nerves throughout this entire show, but like, uh, but yeah, I, basically is what I got. And then the killer will will reveal her in a sec, but like, the killer ends up be being the missing piece for both of them. But because the killer was so for the one, the other one was just not good enough. Essentially, is what I got. I kind of have a philosophical question. I got inspired by that idea of them possibly portraying different types of love. And that has me wondering, would you consider, because I see both could be either or, but would you consider Lennon or Allison to be which one, like the wild side or, you know, the more, just for the lack of a better word, wild side versus contained versions of loves? Who do you think would represent the most accurate version of love's progression. Are you starting out as, you know, Lennon, or no, I'm sorry, the conservative Lennon, we'll just say conservative Lennon. Are you starting out as cautious? And then once you finally get into that relationship, you become wild, or are you a wild child who's looking for anything? And then you become reserved once you finally get handled with the care that you've been looking for, you thought you needed in these physical relationships. Who do you think represents that motif accurately just curious i think they both pretty much go they can both get good enough like service to that question but like i said i think as far as character goes it's i would lean more towards the fact that lenin understands which is why she's more free but under you get throughout the show that underneath all that like freeness there is this level of hurt because of what happened with her mom but like I feel like Lennon definitely understands while the show is showing us that Allison doesn't understand until the very end. Mm. And where she's forced into loving someone. Honestly, yeah. And it's so kind of messed up how, spoiler alert again, the ending, how she is kind of tricked into thinking that this is, this is what it has to be because of all that happened. Yeah. So I'm um, just kind of moving forward here. My only gripe, I mean, I don't, I didn't necessarily like Lennon and Allison too much. I think they're, I mean, they're fine. They work for the story. I like the cleverness of it. But for me, the actress just didn't have chemistry with herself. And so that would kind of turn me off. Like she did a good job portraying, portraying two different people, but her and I guess the editing or directors didn't do a good job of con- making them too much connected because once one of them leaves, it's kind of like, okay, well, it feels like we have both characters still. There's just one character now. Like, Allison pretending to be Lennon. Or, yeah. Lennon, that right? Yeah, yeah. Allison pretending to be Lennon is just, it's just, they, they just make the two characters into one other character. And so, for me, it feels like more of a cheat, but it was fine. It was, Honestly, it was, yeah. Towards yeah. The, the middle of the season, I did kind of feel those same things. Like, oh, okay. All right, so just to keep time, we're going to lump some characters in because uh, I do need to start wrapping up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've hit our hour point. But um, 
so Margot and Johnny. Let's lump these two together. Margot is definitely much more involved with the plot here. <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back around to Margot. But uh, so Johnny, who is my favorite character. Justice oh, for Johnny. And I hate that he wasn't in the show more. <laughs> he dies like what, episode two? I hate it for him. And it was gruesome. He gets one of the worst deaths imaginable, but I loved how creative it was. And when we understand who did it, yeah, it makes that, it even worse. It, I was like, odd. Especially because that whole, I really like, my, my love for Johnny as a character came during that parking lot scene when they all come back to town. And it's him and Margot talking. And it's like, okay, these two have a connection. And so when you find out what happens later, it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> You sacrificed him, of all yeah. people? That was a gut punch. And he was a really likable character. He didn't seem to just have a dark background like everybody did. He was really yeah. just a good guy who got caught up in a crossfire. You know, what I love, what I really found interesting, and this may be, like, bad or not, but, like, I, what I found interesting is that even when the accident happens, the boys are the ones that are the the non-aggressor ones the non-aggressives like they're the ones that are advocating let's call the police let's talk to someone let's suffer the consequences because this is serious and then the girls are like no 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 no, no. we can't do that oh. and that's what i found very interesting i didn't notice that but that's so true yeah both like both dylan and johnny are like the moral ones especially like on they're on the side of being moral but then they get coerced into or really guilted into just going with the plan anyway Definitely Dylan. <laughs> Poor Dylan. Let's get into Dylan. I like Dylan. I look online and there's a lot of hate for Dylan. He's a, a lot of people think he's just a misogynist narcissist. But I think they the show gives a good enough reason why he's so tragic. And he I... is... Yeah, go ahead. Keep, keep going, keep going. But I was just because like he's the only one that really has an underlying mental illness. I mean, the killer does too, but like... He's the only one that has like an open mental illness. He has like anxiety and that feeds into his OCD, which is why he's the one that feels tortured the most because he's he's having to like cover up something that he's not necessarily he has a compulsion against, which I really like. But a lot of people hated this character. I am a lot of people because from the beginning no get out of here and then the ending and it just got worse i tried i tried because for me i like to look at you know characters as all right here's the good and the bad it felt like there was no good at the end from the beginning with dylan with dylan and you're talking about yes and you want to talk about how his mental illness may have played a part in it but okay let's talk about everyone else's possible mental struggles margo we we're going to get into that. Yeah, that's a lot. And Lennon slash Allison, whoever you want to call the main character who was driving the story, her thing, I mean, she pretty much killed her own sister and had to deal with that depressive thing on top of yeah. the mental burden of hiding her literal whole identity to people, the only people who know her, including her family, and then uncovering this whole thing about her uh, mother's side, which we may get into, you know. That's just a whole mental block and mental weight. So there's that. And then there's Johnny, who's we didn't really get into his mental illness because he was, you know, taken out so early. But he, he felt like the most well balanced one just because we only saw him in two episodes. So he he's he's partying in the flashbacks and then we get to the present and he's doing pretty well for a guy who killed someone. 
But yeah, I just can't accept that. Dylan was far from innocent. But if, he was if far we can from even innocent. attach innocent to him to begin with. Because yeah. no, no. I just I feel like they were just too I feel like people were just being too hard on like I understood. But I don't know. Like I, I, I ended up really liking Dylan, especially when he becomes like a cult leader at the end. And like, but like, I don't know. I just thought Dylan was he. He was fine. Like I thought he was interesting, but he was pretty two faced. <laughs> pretty, like, he was three faced. <laughs> what do you mean? And then what happened with Riley? No, I cannot forgive him. Oh uh, yeah, that. Let's get into Riley. Riley uh, seems to be the fan favorite out of the entire series. She because, deserved. Oh my god. Man, what happened to wait, what happened to her mom was just even bad. Like her, okay, so the death with the mom really took me back to Scream. Uh the TV show because the same kind of death happens there with the boyfriend character. I mean, spoiler alert for a uh show that was in 2015, but like essentially <laughs> The Billy Loomis type character that's built up to be like the Billy Loomis because the, the first season does kind of play on some tropes from the, the first movie. So like the Billy Loomis character halfway through the through the show, one of my favorite episodes, there's this episode where you really get like this whodunit vibe, but it turns out to be none of them. <laughs> and oh. so they're all kind of like, well, maybe it's over now. And one of them gets stabbed and it's, it's this whole thing. But then the episode ends with the person that we're all like thinking like, well, if, even if it's even if it's not none of them, it's definitely the boyfriend. <laughs> and then the boyfriend gets kidnapped and then like tied to a chair and kind of like Steve in the beginning of the first movie. But yeah, instead yeah, of being yeah, yeah. stabbed, he gets like a that's like a farm equipment type thing. And so the main character, like she gets the phone call, the ghost ghost face type stuff. But she gets tricked into running into the field to get him, like kind of like Casey does almost. Mm-hmm. But. She there's a tripwire that activates the farm equipment behind him, and he gets like sliced in half. And so, Dang. And it's it's one of the like gnarliest deaths in that whole entire franchise. But like in this in this show, they do almost the same thing because it's the mom, and she gets like trip. She gets tricked into finding the daughter's phone, and then like gets hung by some kind of like farm equipment. Type and, thing. and I was like, oh no, my mouth was on the floor. Because so they bloody. they they had the gore in there, but it wasn't just really like a gore fest. But that part it really got me, just because like the fact that you know she was seen as this hard mom, and then the thing that happened with Riley and her trying to like reach out to her, and then finally she kind of comes to her senses the next day to find her during that scene. But by then it's way too late, and it's just so unexpectedly gruesome. Yeah, I was funny. that was that scene really got me. I was shook. Like she she spent the last two episodes like really big stepping up to be a mom and I was like oh I should have known they were gonna kill her because I was like I really like Courtney but yeah she gets like some she gets probably the best and worst death in this I would say but like man Riley goes through it too because she loses a hand she gets lost she gets she gets she's the only one that gets kind of separated by everybody and it's like and she's the only one that really knows who 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 did it. Like, she gets the whole moment where it's like, oh, it's you. And then you get to the point where she looks like she's dead, basically. But, uh, man, Riley got done wrong. Can I just say? Because now that I just thought about it, in the Scream series, and maybe they're they're just pulling that from Scream because it's the same directors <laughs> and they're all kind of, like, running with each other. But another one of the kind of fake-out emotional distrust, am I really trusting? Oh, I got stabbed in the back moments. 
Scream 4 with Kirby. Yes. How she's tricked into thinking, you know, she's safe because somebody is playing on her heartstrings and then it ends up being her own demise. Yeah, man. Justice for Riley. So uh, let's circle back to Margot real quick. And then I think after that, we'll touch on some of the other like side plots. I mainly the thing with the parents, Bruce and the mom and the cult. But let's oh, talk God. about Margot real quick. And then so, no, I'm no. going to have to. Yeah, I'm going to have to end here. But like um, Margot, definitely the best character at the entire show. Even how cringy she was in the first couple episodes being this influencer. Yeah. I really liked her. I thought the actress did a really good job. She's playing a very different character than she did on screen, where she was pretty much like an exposition girl, essentially, in that <laughs> show. But here she is guiding the entire story. And I loved it. What did you think about her? Honestly, exposition girl, it was like she kind of took that character and turned into the exposition guru because she led the story, you know, with social media. She kept us in the time loop of things that are pretty much modern because she was a modern character, but she didn't just sound so forced. I mean, sometimes the yeah. vocabulary was a little bit okay. We don't talk like that, but you know, <laughs> it was really good. She kept the curtain. She kept it fresh. Her acting was phenomenal. I really liked her transformation too. Like after the whole trauma, her hair was short. I was like, oh, yeah. she looks really good. And she delivered like the happy scenes, the dramatic scenes, the comedy scenes in this show, the freaking yes. deranged scene at the end. That's an actress. Yeah, like the scene where she finds out Johnny died is just so kind of like gut wrenching. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> she really does pull out the works. But then she's revealed to be the killer, which dun, dun, dun. I was not expecting. I was like, okay, at this point, maybe it is Dylan. But then I was also thinking, like, it's got to be the dad. Like, I the whole time, I was like, it's either, it's either the dad. Or one of the police captains. And the one, my main suspect is who I thought the police uh, officer ends up dying after he gets like his little murder board thing going there. And, and then someone finds him and murders him. And I was like, ah, oh, damn. So it's not him. So I'm like, so sad too. It was so fast yeah. for his kids. He was, he, he had like a good three episode arc. And I was like, oh, I really like this guy, but I'm pretty sure he's the killer. And then he gets killed. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, it's either Dylan or the dad. Or maybe even Dylan's mom. But I was like, it's probably Dylan and or the dad. Because I at this point, I never trust when there's not two killers. But it turns out to be Margot. And she, like, leads Dylan into, like, the nastiest trap. I was like, ah. She really got us. And she, she did a good job. I liked her as the killer. Does it make a lot of sense? In a philosophical Ooh. way. In a philosophical way, like we were talking about earlier, when it comes to the theme of love, yes. It'll drive you crazy. Yeah. Like, I like the fact that she was so in love with Lennon that she knew from day one <laughs> Allison, was, who was pretending to be Lennon, was not Lennon. And so she decided to just get back at her. But murdering everyone? Eh. I mean, but but then honestly, it, you know what, though? What you could say before, like, I don't understand why murder would be your final object or your final destination. You should go, you know, see therapy, talk to someone, get a shrink, have hobbies. She did all that. And that was the last resort. And she, she made just, it work. <laughs> she just really wanted the love of her life back. And I was like, she really got it. Like, I really loved her explanation because for me, it's very Hannibal-like. You yes. know me? I love Silence of the Lambs. I love the Hannibal TV series. She has a pretty similar situation going or a pretty similar condition that's going on in that show and how the 
how one of the killers was acting there, mainly Hannibal himself. So I like the fact that she had a really good explanation and why she was doing it and why she killed or she thought she killed or she framed she framed Dylan is the thing that she did. She framed Dylan for the kill for the murders, which is a good play because everyone who watched the show, I'm pretty sure was like, it's definitely Dylan. Yeah. Because we're not really made like, you know, I liked him, but we're not necessarily made to like him too much. And he ends up becoming still kind of a bad guy at the end because he starts preaching at the, the prison. But uh <laughs> side note, but they, they should really cast this guy for the next Children of the Corn movie. <laughs> he was really really good when he started like he was like preaching words and everything, like doing proverbs yeah. and stuff. He was he's got really, really good. He's got like a really good just um what is it? Like what a, is it like like we're from a small city type vibe? Yeah, like really innocent, but actually secretly dark. You know. Yeah, like he's he's got the shadow under his eyes. I really like, I do really like the scene where he has sex with quote unquote Al, uh, Allison, but then he ends up she ends up telling him anyway, and he finds out. And he's like he immediately turns on her, and he's like, "Oh my god, both of you tricked me." And that part made me mad too because like nobody tricked you, no one forced you to do anything. Oh, yeah. Well, I could understand when it, when in this situation with Allison, but the first time he did it, I was like, "What are you doing, kid? What what are you doing?" And then the fact that he was so guilty about it, I was like, "But you, you knew she wasn't who she was." And then the That's... second time they did it, I was like, "Okay, so this makes more sense." I just wish it was believable. That's what just makes me want to just wring the character's neck. Because it's like, <laughs> if you're going to be bad, you need to lean all the way into it. If you're going to pretend to be bad and still try to be good, no. Right. Own it. Alrighty. So, yeah, I liked Ryle, or, no, I liked Margot as the killer. I thought she, she awesome. I like, I love the ending where they're just in the ambulance together and... They just uh, pr- pretty much just make this like pact, like okay, yeah, we're we're in love now, and I, you know, it, it's it's psych, it's just like really interesting psychological type of like deal going on. And I really like that they did it. Uh, just wish the whole show kind of leaned more into it. I think, like I said earlier, the show does kind of suffer an identity crisis where one moment it's euphoria, like, <laughs> yes. and the next moment it is very like screen TV series uh, or even. Bates Motelish with the murders and the mystery. And then it becomes this like psycho drama. Yeah. And then it's like all things that I love, like all things, like most of the shows are kind of in this vein, but I can see where audiences and people didn't necessarily click because it does kind of switch tones. It switches between those three tones back and forth. Like if we were talking with Shelton, he would verbalize so much why he wouldn't necessarily be into this because of tonal change. A little too mutable. It's moving around yeah. too much, yeah. Yeah, it, it really should have grounded itself into one little, or at least even just two of the sections. Like, flashbacks be light, be funny, be euphoria, be kind of sort of druggy dark, but then in the present, be very realistic. Or, you know, I don't know, just just pick one or two is what I would say. But euphoria. here they have, like, <laughs> euphoria is on the brain, but it was very euphoria in the uh, beginning. No, listen, I'm laughing because that is an accurate description. Because the party scene and the very first, you know, episodes and when they're referencing it is so euphoria. Just the mood lighting, the slow motion, the drugs, the close up zooming, glazed eye look. The naked <laughs> bodies everywhere. And the parents are just in the kitchen drinking, like, yeah, this is normal. <laughs> exactly. And the parents just not caring about anything that their kids are doing. Alrighty. Uh, let's give ourselves five 
Let's get ourselves like two more minutes here. Uh, okay. Okay. The, the, okay. The parents, Bruce, the dad, or discount Keanu Reeves, as I called him. What do you think? Of, <laughs> what did you think about this dude? Because I could stand him. All right. Just to sum it up, uh, horny, clueless, and concerned. Yeah, like this dude feels like he is the he is the stereotype of I had a kid at seventeen, and this is how we act. <laughs> like. He didn't know what he was doing at all. So I and I could see why the mom left him. Yeah. It it was weird. Now that you just like think about his character, because honestly, I wasn't really focused on him that much. But if yeah. you really just dive into his character, it is a little weird of a placement. Yeah. Like the what moment you, Yeah. No, yeah. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, uh, pretty much just like what are you doing here? But yeah, continue. Yeah, no, just saying, like, for me, he he was done in episode two when she told him what happened and he was his immediate thought was we'll just take her life and so we don't have to suffer the consequences like well, great advice either either you're the killer or you're just stupid <laughs> and it turns out he's just stupid um and then he has that whole relationship with the police captain or whatever her name was i liked her i just didn't think she had much to do other than like kind of give scowling speeches yeah she didn't really like drive the urgency of we need to figure this out more yeah. she should have been in it more she should have been more active in these like oh she was active i mean she was well <laughs> should have been more on her she should have done her job like i feel like they, the writer said they really had her do her job more as an investigator rather than just like popping in and out for a cup of coffee yeah but maybe that takes part of the uh, lighthearted spin of the series <laughs> the character that you think is going to be like all right we're centering the story is kind of the comedic relief in a yeah way. she was she was pretty funny all right so really quickly the stuff with the mom any thoughts because i was just straight up confused and i still don't fully understand it but again i understand why the mom left i like the fact that they added a cult just to kind of give the series a longevity to it because mm -hmm. if you took out i mean without the cult you just have elements from the book and the movie and those are those have a set ending now the movie was able to expand upon it with the sequel but for a tv show you do need something this is something i learned watching even the scream tv show you need something in the background if you're doing a horror type show that can be elongated so that you have a goal essentially and usually it, it's it's a certain so like even more examples in bates motel you have the motel itself and motel, it, it builds the first season builds it up as a prequel, and the show is a prequel. But by the time you get to the final season, you have all this stuff that's happened, and so it feeds into what the actual psycho story is. And right. so I hated, I hated the fact in Base Motel that they had it, they had this whole facts like back plot or like B plot essentially of this like. In the area that they are, there is a ton of weed that grows there. And there's this, like, secret drug war happening in the small town near the motel. And, and it I, just became too big of a subplot? Is that what happened? No. So, at first, I hated it because I was like, why do we keep cutting back here? It, it, it was there to establish the fact that Norman had, like, a, 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 an illegitimate brother. Like, Norma had a, another kid besides Norman. Mm -hmm. And... He ends up being, like, the first caregiver to Norman and Norma after they kind of both lose their minds. But, like, I hate it because it was just, like, okay, here's drugs now. We're, we're going away from Base Motel. Here's Breaking Bad. But I believe in, at some point within season three or four, they tie it in. And it may, I forgot exactly what it was. But they tie it in to where it all kind of made sense. I was like, okay, so that's why the weed grows back there. Because... 
okay, I do remember because afterwards, um, in Psycho, the reason no one goes to the motel because there's a freeway that was built near it, and so people pass it instead of going towards the hotel or the motel, which it is works. why it, it, yeah. And so they use the weed plot to make sure, like, here's all this big land to field of weed, and then it gets revealed, oh, this is where the highway is going after they ram it all down because of all the drug wars. Mm-hmm. And so, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I, oh, my bad, yeah. sorry. No, I'm but, just saying, like, yeah, you get why there's a <laughs> there's a random cult in this show. Like, they, they have a background plot to help elongate the show if it was to keep going. But I think the difference between that, just to compare it to Bates Motel, which I didn't finish all the way through. I think I watched like three seasons. It was decent, but Yo, that that subplot it sounds like because you see more of it so you know more of the story it really helps flesh out the story and really just anchors it versus the cult when i think personally only elongates the story and makes it interesting but by the end it is kind of confusing at least for me because clara and the mom who just to give my opinions about the mom i thought was kind of weird her placement yeah i felt like it could have been mad interesting if maybe there was another season or if just the dynamics of the cult was more explained or better explained. It was really weird. Yeah, I liked like, the cult I did. I did, but it was weird. Same here. Like, I, it grew on me. At first, I was like, why is there just, a, like, a legend of a cult here? But then as they kept building on, especially when you get to the whole Dylan and, like, where did Riley go? And you get to Clara, and it's like, okay, I, I like where this is going. And then at the very end, we see... Riley is just kind of like cryogenically frozen in honey. <laughs> and I, I hated like, that part. <laughs> but I was like, I, I get it now. And so I could see what they were doing with the cult. Like, this is the background plot to help push the story forward after we yeah. get done with the main story. But I, I liked it. I, I, I just, it was weird, but I liked it. This is one of my favorite cult moments. Because <laughs> I was really just thrown off by the idea of a cult because I had seen Children of the Corn before. It was like, eh. And then when they did it with American Horror Story, that season made me so angry just with all the stuff that they were doing. So I was like, oh, no, when I heard that this was going to have a cult. But it was really nice. The only thing that just kind of had me roll in my eyes was when Riley opened her eyes <laughs> at the end of the season because it uh, it shattered some of the illusion of the uh, realism just for Real. me. Dun, 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 and then it cuts to black. But yeah, I liked it. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and end here. Okay. Um, Roderick, do you recommend? I know you did last summer, twenty twenty one. Absolutely, I give it four out of five Hawaiian ladies. <laughs> That's great. I like that. Um, you know what? I I wrestle back and forth. So I watched I I watched it week to week, and then I tried to binge watch it. But upon binge watch binge watching it, I found myself just being like, I kind of don't want to do this. Now, that could be the fact that I am technically on podcast vacation like we all are. And I'm also just kind of in the middle of a lot of stuff right now. But as I was watching it, I was able, I realized I was able to, especially this episode one, I was able to understand what was happening and what was being set up more. I, I really liked it. But then when I got to episode two, I was like, ooh, I want to continue, but I don't have the energy to. And so for me, I I give this show like a basic recommend. Like it, it's worth checking out. There's a reason they released the first four episodes. I would say at least watch the first three episodes and after like the first couple of deaths, see where you feel. If you like where it's going, definitely keep going because I do think it's a really good, interesting mystery. But if not, 
you know, after episode three, you you have that ending. I mean, they kind of cap it, so you can kind of hop off if you want. But I recommend it. Um, it is sad now that the show isn't going anywhere. It has been canceled, but yeah, we've seen this before with shows. So I honestly, I'm gonna predict this now. If Scream does really well this uh, in the next couple of weeks, I could see them reviving this property again for a movie. Um, I would love to see them do another movie. I don't know if you should do another movie because they're again, this the story is very basic. Even if you go back to the book, you wouldn't necessarily be making a slasher movie. And I feel like the popular the popularity of this franchise is the fact that it's a hookman slasher. But um, I, honestly, if they were to remake it, I would say go closer to the book and make it more of a. Honestly, I would say make it a period piece and then make it more of a Hitchcockian psychological suspense movie. But that's just my opinion and my artistic view of it. But I other think, than yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. I think that's what helped this this series be really good. The fact that it did kind of some of the things that you were just talking about. It took on a different angle from what its predecessors were. And if yeah. they were to do and you know a concept like that, a period piece, for example, I think it'd be really great. Just as long as they stay away from the supernatural aspect, like how they did in the third movie that we don't yeah. talk about. We don't talk about that one. Uh, yeah, definitely don't make it supernatural. I don't do that. But um, yeah, my fa- like like I said earlier, my favorite. Or I don't know. I don't know if I said it, but my favorite aspect of the book was the paranoia of it all, and the fact that each character had their own little side thing, and they do that here in the show, and I think that's the best part of the show, is the paranoia of it all. Like yeah. everyone is on edge, but they're also kind of trying to cover it up at the same time. But I think that translates really well. So even for that alone, it's a recommend for me. Alrighty, so uh, that's the end of this little bonus podcast here. Uh, Roderick, thank you for joining me. Of course, thank you for having me. It's always a good time. Yeah, so like I said, we're recording this before we see Scream. Actually, um, let's see here. We're recording this on a Friday, so we're one week away. Um, when we, yeah, so this episode will come out a little after we've seen Scream. If you, if you find this episode, thank you for listening. Um, more little bonus episodes coming soon. More Murderboard podcasts coming soon. Um, but until then, Happy New Year. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again on the Murder Board. Thank you for listening to the Murder Board podcast. You can find more of the Murder Board podcast by following us on Instagram at MurderBoard underscore pod and on Twitter at MurderBoardThe. There you can ask questions and leave comments about the show. Please don't forget to share the podcast with family and friends. You can find us on most of your favorite podcast networks, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, audible and of course here on anchor podcast don't forget to rate and review that way we can get the podcast out to even more listeners and build our murder board community also consider supporting this podcast by helping sustain future episodes such as this by hitting the support slash link button down below in the show notes or you can join our official patreon there you can gain access to early episodes and videos get bonus episodes and more murder board content look for new episodes on fridays and or sundays and we'll catch you again on the murder board